0: QI a few years ago Yeah um, Which was There's no such thing As a fish No there's no such thing As a fish No seriously It's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater life It says it right there First paragraph No such thing As a fish (laughs)
1: And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with the three regular elves, Anna Chizinski, James Harkin, and Andy Murray. And once again, we've gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last week, and here they are in no particular order. Okay, starting fact number one, James
0: okay my fact this week is about kangaroos as you all know yep uh it comes in the form of a question and that question is how many
2: legs does a kangaroo have i think i can feel this one with confidence uh two (laughs) James is holding up a tiny and yeah. button. Where'd from- you get that?
0: That's from the QI travel game. There's which is available
1: button. in shops. Oh my god, that must be the most <laughs> annoying toy
0: <laughs> Can you imagine on an airplane, the little kid sat next yeah. to you? Oh my god.
1: Just anytime time you get something
0: wrong. Can I eat ice cream? No. <laughs> no. I'm afraid the answer is I can eat ice cream. Um, okay, I'm going to put that to one side now, because that probably is very annoying. Um, yeah, they don't have two legs.
1: Wait, so if they don't have two... They must have what four?
0: The front, the front oh. hands or legs. I'm going to have to get my buzzer out again. What? Why? Yeah, that is annoying. <laughs> uh, no, they have uh, three or five, depending on how you look at it. Um, The tail counts as a leg And that's according to a new study Which was in New Scientist a couple of weeks ago And um, what they did is They put a kangaroo on a uh, treadmill uh, Which had pressure points And could see when they were putting pressure on the floor And they found that in the normal walk Not their bouncing walk But the other one they do It's kind of a shuffling walk um, They used the tail in the way That any other animal would use a leg
3: Is it a weight bearing thing though? Yeah, it's weight bearing
0: and propulsion
3: Yeah Wow.
1: Okay, so I've got two questions. Go on. First question is, can they walk backwards? Because that's one of the great Australian Mix. either myths or <laughs> truths. Uh, because the idea is that the, uh, the, the country's coat of arms has a kangaroo and an emu on either side looking at each other. And the idea being that they were chosen because not only are they national animals, but they can't walk backwards. Neither
2: an emu well, cause or a kangaroo. Well, because doesn't it say on
3: the coat of arms, always forwards oh, or something? keep
2: going forwards. Keep going forwards. That's a terrible, terrible piece of advice for a lot of people. Yeah, crossing People a road. near cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think they, they
3: can jump backwards. There's, they? Yeah, you can see it on YouTube.
2: There's footage of Woody Allen boxing a kangaroo in a very very weird bout. Very odd, isn't yeah. it? It's but on YouTube. The kangaroo, yeah, I think moves backwards a bit in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um,
0: you said you had a second question. Though. I do.
1: Uh, yeah. Second question that I had was: Are they the only animals with a tail for a leg?
0: Um... As far as I know, you do have prehensile tails that animals use to swing around trees and stuff and grab things. But not to my knowledge do they use them to walk.
3: Do dugongs use their tail as like a supportive thing? Isn't there anything where they... Do, dugongs? What yeah, dugongs. Are they, what are they? You know, those things, uh, they're manatees. They, oh, yeah. A type of sea manatee. Cows. Sea cows So yeah. the things that sailors oh, yeah. Apparently thought were mermaids Back in the olden days They actually do have Quite human faces I think they have adorable faces I'll they put do. a picture Maybe on the it was website
1: Just Last time I was back in Sydney The aquarium They had like an arrival of dugongs And it was all over the posters uh, In the city And you know dugongs are here And <laughs> it was the most Unexciting attraction To <laughs> an aquarium yeah. Since they had the Lego exhibition At Sydney
0: Aquarium like, There no. are lots of um, bits of Lego Washing up on British beaches Do you know about oh, yeah. this? There was so, a Um, There was a container crash in the late 90s. And um, something like a billion pieces of Lego went into the water. And they're still washing up in in, um, North and South Cornwall.
3: Wasn't it weird Because a lot of the Lego Happened to be Sea
0: related yeah. stuff yeah. <laughs> Like There are octopuses, octopuses Which are very very special
2: And yeah. little bits of sea grass. Or so.
0: maybe They are Like little Lego plankton And that's what you were watching
2: In Sydney yeah. Zoo
1: <laughs> Yes <laughs> Remember there was that um, A guy who wrote a book all about a, Another container ship uh, That had ducks the, the rubber ducks The rubber and and ducks And the
2: plastic frogs Wasn't yeah. it The rubber ducks Were the, obviously the big Big draw um, beavers Beavers hmm. Real beavers what, Or plastic, plastic?
0: Yeah, plastic ones were huh. in the same container. Didn't know that. They don't get the same publicity as the ducks do. It's because a rubber duck is a timeless yeah. style. Where do you icon? When have you ever bought someone a rubber beaver? <laughs> I didn't even let's, know that was a Let's leave thing. that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that
1: was maybe that was like a new thing that they were bringing over. This is our big chance. We're shipping over all the plastic beavers. <laughs> this is gonna be a massive hit. Now we'll never have them. Um, are Other okay.
2: animals which have odd numbers of legs. Okay. Are there any? Do you know any Yandi? Mm, there's a crab, isn't there?
0: Yes, there is. There's a spider crab uh, called Macrochiera Campferi. It's like that massive Japanese spider crab that you see every now and then on the internet. It's it's absolutely humongous. And there was a study done, and they found that three quarters of the crabs are missing at least one limb. Oh. And most mm. crabs have got ten legs. In fact, all crabs have got ten legs. So most of these particular crabs have got nine legs. Although they have lost
2: them. Wow, it's a bit yeah, it's a bit of a cheat, isn't it? Yeah, they should just evolve with one leg fewer. Well they and then might they do. Wouldn't, wouldn't need to lose that. They leg can
0: survive of? with up to three legs missing.
2: That's more than I can do. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: uh, there's a thing called a seven arm octopus. <laughs> Is um,
3: that born with seven arms? No,
0: it has eight arms. But one of them is very small and curled <laughs> up and you can't see it very well, so people thought they had seven arms. That's good. Cool. People who didn't look very closely. Yeah. Um, and the, also there's starfish, of course.
3: Yeah, so all of those creatures like starfish, sea urchin, sea cucumbers always have multiples of five, yeah. don't they? But they're and not
0: legs, legs, really. They're limbs. Limbs. Yeah.
3: yeah. And the tripod fish. Do you guys know about the tripod no. fish? Which is an extremely deep water fish and it has three long protrusions that come off its fins so it's i think it's never any more than 30 centimeters long but its little thin protrusions can be up to a meter and it walks mm. along on them like a tripod and it's really good because it means it's at the right level for the currents to sweep loads of prawns into its mm. face and it can detect vibrations in the seabed if predators are coming so i reckon that might be the closest other animal there is to having three so legs. A
2: natural odd odd legged yeah. yeah when um when kangaroos are born, uh, when joeys are born, you know, and they, they crawl up into the pouch, they don't have their back legs even. They do have their front legs, but that's the only thing. They're basically a tiny worm with these two minuscule front legs, which they use to basically crawl up their mother's fur into the pouch. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then Didn't they get, get their back legs later. They are tiny, aren't they? Like
3: mm. they're the size of a grain of rice, kangaroos, yeah. when they're born.
0: Yeah. People thought that um, kangaroos had two heads when they first saw them, when Europeans first saw them, because really? of their joey on the chest oh, oh yeah that makes sense so when the first uh, descriptions came back to, to the west that's what they thought wow um, um, yeah.
3: they have there's the QI fact which might have been one of the first ever QI facts about kangaroos having three vaginas which they do just in case there's one listener out there who doesn't know it um, <laughs> So the it,
2: first fact I learned when I was having my interview for the job yeah you had was it? interview for QI was well, yeah, a chat a lunch a, l- <laughs> it was a lunch,
3: was it testing yeah. your response to that or what did you do yeah if you recoiled in disgust you would have immediately been rejected i didn't recoil
2: in disgust i said oh ah, which is correct i response. like the
3: sound of
0: that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the incorrect response
2: i've got two
1: favorite kangaroo qi facts yeah. have been in the books and the tv shows but i absolutely love them the first one is that the mother kangaroo mammary glands So female mammary glands produce both full cream and fat-free milk simultaneously. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. The child's just... The roo's got an option.
0: They're like the waitrose of macropodes. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) And the other one
2: is that kangaroos swim doggy paddle when they go swimming. That's their style, doggy paddle. And also, they kick their legs independently when they swim, which they never do on land. On land, they move both Ah. legs simultaneously. So you see them move forwards, either hopping or using the tail to project themselves. But in swimming... Dum, 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 either side
0: Did you know that Elvis Had pet kangaroos Did he, Did
2: I, he? I've always been curious If anyone had a pet kangaroo And yeah, Elvis, Elvis had one He had a couple
0: I think uh, He was given them I'm going off memory here But I think he was given them By a zoo in Australia uh, And then he gave them back Because they weren't as much fun As he thought they were going to be <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> One quite cool thing When I, uh, I read about kangaroos is kangaroo mother care. Kangaroo mother care is what's being recommended for premature births in developing countries. So 10% of premature births in developing countries, the child dies within the first year and in Ninety percent in developed countries, so it 's a massive problem in developing countries and they 're suggesting kangaroo mother care, which is basically where you have constant skin to skin contact between baby and mother, and the mother straps the baby to her for up to like the first eight or nine months, and it reduces infant mortality by fifty percent, so it could have saved wow. like, would save like one point one million deaths a year and it 's just about the warmth of the skin contact and constant breastfeeding and probably bonding between mother and child and anticipating its needs more. A pretty simple way oh. of seriously reducing infant mortality.
2: Yeah,
1: I've got I've got one last thing I want to throw in before we move on, which is that um, there's been a study that's shown that male kangaroos can attract the opposite sex by impressing her with his biceps, oh, yeah. with his forearms. <laughs> oh, They're apparently really important in the kangaroo world in- to the yeah, point they where they frequently adopt poses <laughs> <laughs> like showing po- their muscles builders. like bodybuilders, <laughs> going, "Hey,
3: ladies." two tickets to the gun show what
1: are you
0: <laughs> like <laughs> just for people listening dan is doing the bodybuilder poses as i'm doing speak. it yeah if you've ever seen johnny bravo it's a lot like more. <laughs> huh. yeah exactly
1: yeah and in a fight that's often apparently what the female kangaroos are looking at at the males in a fight they're going well, really? look at the biceps on that guy yeah because <laughs>
0: what they do is they grab the other guy with the arm bits and then they kick them with the leg bits so the arms are quite important mm-hmm. in fighting yeah
3: but the legs are more impressive if you want to attract someone. Why aren't they going, look at my huge feet? How awesome are my huge feet, guys?
0: You know what they say about kangaroos with big feet? Yeah. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, time to move on to fact number two, and that is Anna.
3: Yep, my fact is that during the financial crisis of 1720, Parliament called upon stockbrokers to be sewn into sacks filled with poisonous snakes and thrown into the Thames. Was Um, that a
1: serious (laughs) thing? I mean, that's surely...
3: I I think it was just to... it, I don't think they were intending it actually to happen. It was to express their vehement dislike. Um, but it was during the South Sea bubble, which was one of the earliest financial crises. The guy who made the speech, which suggested this, was Lord Molesworth. And he was drawing on Roman tradition, which had oh. people who committed parricide, uh, which had them thrown into the Tiber. So he parasite said. What's
2: parasite? It's uh, killing your father. What you anyway. with animals as well. When that, there were animals in the sack. There was a, a rooster, a monkey, and a dog in the sack with you when you went into the river.
3: Oh, was there? Mm. God, that is horrible, isn't it?
2: According to another Roman thing, if there wasn't any water nearby, if there wasn't a convenient river or sea nearby, You would be put in a sack with a rooster and a viper and a dog and a monkey and then thrown to wild animals to be torn apart. Oh, my God. Yeah.
3: They used to put more effort into punishments, I think. think They go to lengths to find these poisonous (laughs) and tropical exotic creatures. Well, I think this was because in this particular case, before the debate, because everyone was extremely angry about the South Sea bubble bursting because people were ruined by it, including, in fact, um, Isaac Newton invested a lot of money in Mm. the South Sea Company and he was totally bankrupt after it. And Alexander Pope was not because he was one of the crafty ones who exited. Early. Um, no, but-, but so
2: did Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton got out in time oh. and then went back in. He could see it was going to fall.
0: <laughs> Very good. <laughs> oh, <come on>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, but yeah, people were angry and so in Parliament was getting very vehement and so before the debate, the king made a speech urging people to retain prudence and temper to ensure that um, the right punishments were distributed and their response to that was say, throw them in the Thames in a sack that's sewn up with well, poisonous snakes Well, the snakes. king got out in time. Did he was he? one of the
2: people who got out in time He and Robert Walpole, who I think was Prime Minister at the time, both got out in time but that's only because their financial advisers had disobeyed them Oh, really interesting yeah
3: oh that is interesting is
2: it, actually this is not going to be good for you i'm, I'm not going to put the money in so isn't that Funny financial that, advisors like...
3: were that thoughtful for everyone yeah. all the
0: time <laughs> um luckily we learned our lesson and there was no financial absolutely. crisis ever again
3: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it's not the earliest is it the is tulip mania the first
0: was that before the south seat yes it was 16 17th century yeah so you should explain what that is
3: So tulip mania was in the Netherlands, wasn't it? And um, it was when people were suddenly started going mad for tulips and the price Mm. of tulips massively inflated. And I think the price of one tulip bulb was the same as a 10 year salary for the average craftsman. Wow. And then it burst. There's a
2: really cool story about tulip mania, which is um, in the 1630s, a sailor was imprisoned uh, in a Dutch prison for eating what he thought was an onion. Uh, it was actually a tulip bulb and that could have fed the entire crew of his ship for <laughs> 12 months. Oh,
3: that's insane. Who eats an onion just on its own? <laughs>
2: a sailor who's not had vegetables for a long time, I suppose. So, that's pretty desperate.
0: <laughs> not only are you eating an onion, you've just eaten the world's most expensive <laughs> onion. And he's like, you know what? As well, it didn't taste that oniony. <laughs> I was reading
1: about uh, Parliament because I don't actually know much about Parliament. Uh, there's that thing of that if the Queen goes to Parliament, then Buckingham Palace needs to take an MP prisoner. Mm-hmm. Yeah For the time that she's there Just in case they suddenly decide Hostage Yeah Yeah,
2: Which is a movie That I've not seen made yet Why not It's never a really important MP Is
0: it not Do they get like the (laughs) rubbishest I think they get a The new guy
2: Yeah Sorry no offence if you're listening And you've been the hostage (laughs) (laughs) But it's normally not George Osborne It's normally not a really senior Member of parliament It's
3: dispensable Just in case Exactly
2: In chess terms It's like trading the queen For a pawn Except you've got 600 pawns And this is the least good of them (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> it's the replaced one because you lost all the other. Yeah, <laughs> you lost the proper one. Yeah. It's a thimble,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I was thinking about MPs doing kooky stuff in Parliament. I read somewhere that William Pitt, the younger, he was a drunk, and he once, during a speech, vomited behind the Speaker's chair and then returned to his seat and continued doing his speech until the end. Uh, <laughs> there are contemporary reports that what? say that. But you don't, I, they might come from, they might be propaganda from the other side, but he was a okay. drunk. So I have one more thing Gone. on... Uh, parliamentary misdeeds. In 2010, a Tory MP had to apologise for being too drunk to cast his vote on the budget. He got drunk in the parliament bar and he forgot to rock up and vote. And Hazel Blears, who we all probably know Labour MP, said she had been out on the terrace with him but had retired to the library when it got a bit too lively. But this man's name is Mark Reckless. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Good, <isn't it? laughs>
1: That's great. Um, you mentioned the bar. So, Parliament has their own bar, don't they? They've got a oh, few. Yeah. They've got a few bars. They oh, have yeah, a yeah. library. The members bar, the Strangers Bar, all kinds of things, yeah. yeah, and cheaper the- drinks. They've also got a hairdresser's. I don't know. Yeah, and this yeah. is really odd. They have a rifle shooting range.
2: <laughs> oh, the Lords have one in the basement don't yeah. They? yeah, Yeah. Yeah, isn't that really odd? Yeah, yeah. They, have, they, they oh, just yeah. go, you go and shoot a rifle. I think it's very rarely used. They used to have rifle
0: shooting in pubs. Yes. It was like a pub spot that people would go around the different pubs and play against each other, right. and they banned it. And you know why they banned it? because people were gambling on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's excellent. That's had done,
2: didn't, wasn't some of it across corridors and things like yeah. that? incredibly there's dangerous. There's some brilliant
0: photos of people taking <laughs> shots in a pub and there's like old boys drinking their stout <laughs> underneath the barrel of the gun. It's that's absolutely great. brilliant. What
3: shall we do in this place where people come and get really drunk and disorderly? <laughs> shall we introduce guns? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, um, anything else? Um, can we just quickly go back to punishments because I have one more thing on oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. In the olden days They used to um, saw people in half As a as a mode of execution wow. Which is what? quite a good way Of going about it When? Wow. Well not a good way But a way It's a, say. It's a, it's a thorough way uh, Simon the Zealot Was sawn in this way Supposedly Simon uh, but the Zealot? Simon the Zealot Yeah you know him <laughs> Really no, enthusiastic guy no. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys Do you want to play Rounders later? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the way that they sawed him, I don't know if this is what they did with everyone, but they hung him upside down and they started with his groin and went lengthways. Oh
2: God, the Goldfinger method. Yeah, yeah. But oh, sorry, when you said in half, I thought you meant as in a magician's trick. Me too. Yeah. But so they did it. Oh my God! Starting with the groin. That is the worst. But Simon the Zealot didn't mind. <laughs> Guys, I'm not feeling as <laughs> zealous about this as I normally <laughs> am about other things. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, time to move on to fact number three, and that is you, Andy Murray. My fact is that there are three times as many estate agents in the UK as there are members of the armed forces. Yeah, that is weird. Well, yeah, there's been a massive boom in estate agents recently, and also all the soldiers have been sacked. So in some ways, it's surprising. There are are being huge cuts, and people said that the army is going down to the size it was uh, at the Boer War, but... Uh, it's not true. It's actually going to be substantially smaller than it was during the Boer War. Yeah, because
3: no, in, in wartime, then, armies increase massively. Exactly. Surely yeah. we had yeah, more yeah, people yeah.
2: in the uh, War. You, it's amazing. There are graphs of the the armed forces population... from about 1870 to today and obviously there are two vast spikes there Um, but and it's been a gradual tail off since the end of the Second World War
3: and are they becoming estate agents is that what's is it a straight swap is this why I got (laughs) shown around a house by a guy in camouflage
2: (laughs) (laughs) now this house has a beautiful uh, bunker which you might want to use (laughs) it's facing north and it's very defensible very defensible (laughs) Um, I don't know I don't think a lot of them are becoming estate agents how many real estate agents do we have Uh, real estate agents or fake estate agents (laughs) Uh, there are I think it's something like 560,000 from memory
3: in 2008 an estate agent was showing people around a potential property uh, I think it was in uh, somewhere in the south of England it was worth 350 grand he opened up the walk-in closet to show it off and he found the owner hanging dead in there (gasps) A spokesman for the company said it was quite a shock, which you would expect. It
0: it would have been good if it had been uh, sold by a guy called Roy Brooks. Do you guys know who he is? No. no. Okay, Roy Brooks was an estate agent from the early 20th century, and he was known as the honest estate agent. He he would give somewhat too honest descriptions of his houses that he was trying to sell. So I'm going to read one. Um, This was uh, from the early 20th century by Roy Brooks. Um, brothel in Pimlico (laughs) wanted someone with taste means and a stomach strong enough to buy this erstwhile house of ill repute in Pimlico it is untouched by the 20th century as far as convenience for even the basic human decencies is concerned although it reeks of damp or worse the plaster is coming off the walls and daylight peeps through a hole in the roof it is still habitable judging by the bed of rags fag ends and empty bottles (laughs) in one corner Plenty of scope For the socially aspiring To express their Decorative taste And nothing to stop them Putting Westminster On their notepaper
2: That's fantastic
0: (laughs) Ten rather unpleasant rooms With a smelly backyard £15,000 Wow With a smelly backyard
3: (laughs) Why did he do that?
0: Uh, well, he became famous for it and then got a lot of people like looking at his properties because he'd become famous. Oh, okay. that,
2: there is definitely room for someone to do that today. I, I went on a viewing with someone who was looking to buy a place recently and it was basically a condemned place and the estate agent, to her credit, said, this is awful, isn't it? And she was really, oh, really, really honest. She, well, the kitchen is, was all covered in brown rust and condemned tape where it says, do not use this is condemned equipment. <laughs> and she says... Just looks like really bad food, and then someone can get to the toilet in time. That was, that was the first viewing
0: I'd ever been on. That was quite that was four hundred and fifty thousand pounds in zone nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the four most adulterous professions in the US are physicians, police officers, lawyers, and then real estate agents. No. Or estate any? agents. <laughs>
2: yeah, Actually, I do like
1: real estate agents. But I thought that's what they I feel like in Australia that's what we call them, real estate
2: agents. I think it is, and in America as well, possibly, yeah. or realtors or things. But here we just say estate agents. So, yeah. hearing yeah. real estate agents is wonderful. <laughs> um, doctors, okay.
3: that's that's I not know. great. Doctors, I
0: know. Wow, yeah, police. How did they well. find that out? Was it
2: self-reported? Cool. No, it
0: was um, <laughs> from a website where you go if you want to, if you're oh, married and you want to hook up with people, like those
2: illicit encounters. I mean, yeah. Not that I know. I just. I just <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you have
0: to put your um, profession in there, and that's what they found.
2: Right. Well, they might have been lying about that. I mean, they've been lying to the people in their lives as well, <laughs> so true. it's entirely possible a lot of would-be doctors were just saying, "Yeah, I'm basically a doctor." <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: there's a website you can look up in the US which tells you if anyone's died in your house oh okay
0: okay. and how they did it Um, how they did it Sounds like John yeah. Bonderson's John book, John Bonderson, it? yeah. <laughs>
1: James uh, wrote an endorsement uh, for this book that John Bonderson, he's a... Um, he's a friend of ours. He's a friend he? of ours. He does all sorts of odd travels around the UK to discover... Th- this book in particular was called yeah. The Murder Houses of London. Basically,
0: he's got this book, which is all about all the houses in London where there have been murders, and he goes into detail about the different murders that have been there. It's a really, really interesting book. Um,
1: I got drunk with him once in you- central London, and uh, when we got drunk, he went, do you want to see some of the houses? And we, we walked around <laughs> London and he was like, here yeah, there was a murder. And he was so excited by these, uh, yeah, these murders. A... Um, oh. Just with the, with the people being murdered in houses, though, um, sometimes the idea of ghosts is actually a desirable thing that real estate agents, real ones, uh, use um, in order to <laughs> sell a house. I mean, there's, people actually used to put wanted ads out when they were looking for a house with little requests for ghosts in
2: the house. Wow.
3: Um, the word mortgage... Does everyone know what that means? It
2: means a massive oh, no. kick in the balls delivered to the wallet.
0: No, it means death, mort. It means death pledge, uh, pledge. basically. <laughs> um, you'll be paying
2: us off until you die?
3: Sort of. Well, the reason. <laughs> so the earliest explanation we have for that is from someone I think in the 16th century who said the reason mortgage is death pledge literally is because it is doubtful whether the borrower will pay at the appointed day such sum or not as is due, and so the land is taken from him, i.e., dead to him. So it's called a death pledge or a dead pledge, literally because it's so unlikely you'll be able to pay it back that you're going to have the land taken away from you that wow. you wanted. Um, but it comes from the same root, which I find really interesting. It comes. The word mortgage comes from the same root as the Word wedding, so gage um, is yeah. a pledge, and wed was pledge, and they both come from the Germanic word wadjo. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> why don't we still use yeah, that look, word? It's a stupid why is word? The word, wadjo, so funny. Oh. It's a really beautiful wadjo. Actually, <laughs> the, the bride looked wonderful.
3: I think we've, we've just realised why we don't still use four that wadjos
2: in the funeral. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, time for the final fact of the podcast, and that is my fact, and that is that uh, I recently discovered that medieval manuscripts are littered with drawings of warfare between snails and knights. They're just constantly in battle, and the amazing thing is no one knows why. It's a total mystery. It's incredible. Isn't it wonderful? It's yeah. just So on Very the margins, weird. on the side of all these manuscripts, there'll just be drawings of snails versus... And they're the same size. It's not a real size knight and a tiny snail. It they're fluctuates. the same size. It fluctuates sometimes. Oh, sometimes really? it is tiny by their foot. Sometimes oh. they're way larger than the, the knight. Um, and people are people are looking into it to try and work out why. There was a, there was a great paper called The Snail in Gothic Marginal Warfare. <laughs> um, and uh, they have theories that it's a representation of the resurrection of Jesus, that the snail represents a sort of um, a highly armoured... Chivalric foe. Um, they don't know. They just have no you idea. You know what
0: I think it might be. You know when you just sat there doodling. One of the things you doodle is like a spiral. And sometimes if yeah. you just draw a spiral, you might mm-hmm. then turn it into a snail. And then when you've drawn a snail, what are you obviously going to do? Make it fight a knight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does go down a bit there. but <laughs> um, There's a lot of paintings of the Virgin Mary um, where she has snails in the picture. That's a symbolism of the Virgin Mary because um, their shells mean that their modesty is protected. And that it was thought that they reproduced without sex. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And they don't do that, do they?
2: Uh, Snails?
0: Yeah, they don't reproduce without sex. No, no, they no, reproduce no. with sex.
2: So they're, they're, they're randy little beasts. Yeah, they're
0: hermaphrodites, <laughs> and they fire love darts at each other. They
2: certainly do. So love darts are they're they're like little arrows which are attached uh, to the to the snail, but they don't um, they don't fire them through the air. They basically get into close combat and then stab each other, and sometimes they can stab each other very fiercely. So the harpoon will go through. The other snail's head <laughs> and out the other side, and then they mate.
0: Yeah, that's not what really what the painters of the Virgin Mary were going for. Um, no, <laughs>
2: no.
3: <laughs> There's a lovely 15th century manuscript uh, that's covered in cat paw prints that I think went on Twitter last year, it went a bit viral.
1: Oh, we should put that on our um, podcast. We'll put it on the podcast
3: page. page it Humanises it really, because suddenly you think, oh my god, a cat just walked across mm. this guy's. That babe. was the
0: one where the cat peed on it. Is it? did it yeah the cat peed on it and um, the guy wrote here is nothing missing but a cat urinated on it during a certain night cursed be the pesky cat that urinated over this book during the night in deventer and because of it many others too and beware well not to leave open books at night where cats can come as in arrive right (laughs) got it (laughs) fun to clarify that It sounds like
1: in the margins of these manuscripts are where whoever was scribbling all the stuff and the monks, let's say, um, Mm. there was like their own little place in the book where they could say what they really felt and the drawings that they could doodle in. No one would know to stop them. And people have translated some of like the extra commentary written by some of these monks who are frustrated from writing out these long manuscripts. And they're amazing. So some of them include uh, new parchment, bad ink. I say nothing more. (laughs) Another one is, oh, my hand. (laughs) And this one, now I've written the whole thing. For Christ's sake, give me a drink. That's in
2: a manuscript. Oh, God, it's fantastic.
1: It's quite exciting because I didn't realize at the time when I saw this snail versus knight thing that there's a lot of mysteries in medieval manuscripts. And they're constantly digging them up, and it, there's great blogs on the uh, the British Library website, on the Smithsonian's website, where they go into the back rooms and they dig through all for these manuscripts, and they manage to find things that have just been lost in their archives, mm, yeah. and they contain mysteries. Once they find them, they found this great one recently, which was a it was a long lost cookbook that they were dying to find that they knew the existence of, and it was written by a guy called Jeffrey Fuel. And he, he worked in the kitchens uh, for the Queen of England in 1328 to 1369. So that was Philippa of Hainault at the time. And um, he was basically known as the Heston Blumenthal of his day. And he oh, just... They wouldn't
0: have known who Heston Blumenthal was. <laughs> That's the mystery, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only evidence we have for time travel. <laughs> <laughs> he made tiny night porridge. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is what's weird about it. It's got a bunch of recipes in it and it has a recipe for hedgehogs, blackbirds, and then a recipe for unicorns. And one of the, um, one of the recipes uh, starts with the sentence, taketh one unicorn. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. That's or the was kind it...
3: of cookbook, you know, when you get a cookbook that's really complicated and you open it and you think, oh, I don't have any of this. <laughs> 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 Straight away you're closing that and going, fuck it, Delia. <laughs> you he
2: remember, was the Heston Blumenthal. Of you his. remember Mrs. Beaton? She published recipes for Kangaroo. Going back to that. Did she? Did yeah. she? Curried kangaroo tails. Oh,
0: that's funny yeah. because the western grey kangaroo smells of curry. Does it? Yeah. yeah. So,
2: apparently. Well,
1: huh. yeah. Speaking of uh, kangaroos, there is a manuscript, which is a Portuguese manuscript, yeah. uh, which has in one of the... You know how they always have a big letter to start off? Yeah. yeah
0: and there's always a drawing inside. Once upon a time with a big O.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then a drawing in the O. In in this uh, Portuguese manuscript, uh, they have a picture of a kangaroo. And it predates when supposedly um, anyone had visited Australia by what? 400 years. Now, here's the thing. They obviously don't know whether or not it was uh, a kangaroo in the drawing because people have pointed out it looks quite similar to an aardvark. Um, And an aardvark apparently can go on its hind legs when it's trying to eat something off a tree. But when you look at this picture and we'll put it on the website, it's a kangaroo. Like no
0: question about it. It's definitely a kangaroo. There is a painting from 1496 that has a sulphur crested cockatoo in it, which is a parrot native to Australia. Yeah, and they reckon that that is evidence that there was trading going on throughout the world at that time. Okay, we might not have uh, Westerners might not have sailed down to Australia, but the Australians would have traded with the Chinese, who would have traded with the the Indians, who would have traded with Europeans. Okay. Wow. Yeah,
2: that's amazing, isn't it? Because Australia was
0: definitely trading with China in things like sea cucumbers. So um, there's no reason to to think that we wouldn't have traded, that the trade route wouldn't have come all the way through the silk path, etc.
2: Yeah, yeah. They yeah. spread rumours, didn't they? They said, these islands that we've got are guarded by giant, giant birds. sea serpents and giant birds, and they made, it, they made the Spice Islands sound as intimidating as they possibly could, just so that no one else would sail there. <laughs> and also it was so
0: that the price would be so high. So Cinnamon Sticks, they said that they were part of a nest of a giant bird, <laughs> and in order to get this bird, you had to kill oxen and hide them, so that the bird would go down and get the oxen, and then you could sneak up and grab bits of its, um, bits of its nest, and they were cinnamon sticks Of course it's all made up But it meant that when you came home You could charge a massive price Because yeah. all oh, five of my men were killed Wow I just have one cool thing about knights So
3: how do you dub a knight?
2: Um, sword on both shoulders, right? Yep
3: yeah. Wasn't always the case. So um, by the time William the Conqueror Come to England to knight someone, you punch them in the face. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: yep,
3: yeah, it was a blow with a fist, a bare fist to the face or neck. And this is how William the Conqueror, for instance, knighted Whoa. his son Henry. <laughs> just a punch in the neck.
1: When did that
0: stop? Uh, not That's sure. Still going. Still going. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Can hidden. you imagine
3: if the Queen did that
0: to
2: Sir Cliff Richard? Yeah.
3: Praise <laughs> <laughs> <Freeze> yourself, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But she doesn't say Arise Sir Cliff No It's a myth <laughs> Yeah because he's
0: Lying unconscious On the path
2: <laughs> <laughs> Okay that's
1: it For this week's podcast That is all of our facts Thanks so much everyone For listening If you want to get in contact With us about any of the things That we've said You can get us all On our Twitter handles I'm on At Schreiberland James At Eggshaped Andy At Andrew Hunter M Anna
3: Yeah you can get me If you email Podcast at QI dot com
1: Also, you can head to qi.com slash podcast, which is the page where we like to add extra links, videos, and so on, of all the things that we've been talking about during the course of this podcast. It's also got every single one of our previous episodes that you can check out, and they've all got a special page with links and so on. So go there, check it out, qi.com slash podcast. Also, just very quickly, if you happen to be in Edinburgh for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, there's quite a lot of no such thing as a fish-related comedy shows going up there. Uh, Andy, you're going to be doing uh, two
2: shows. You're doing Ostentatious. Yeah, that's at the Pleasant's Dome at 1.40pm every day. It's Jane Austen-themed improvised comedy. Um, I'm also doing a two-person improv show called Folie à Deux, which is at 6pm every day at the Pleasant's Courtyard.
1: Yep, I'm going to be doing my uh, my debut hour, which is called Cockblocked Blocked from Outer Space, and it's a uh, it's an hour stand-up show from 540 at the Underbelly Daisy Room. And also we're going to be doing Museum of Curiosity Live, which is the live version of our BBC4 radio show. John Lloyd's going to be up there. We have amazing guests from Jimmy Carr, Phil Jupitus, Mark Watson, David O'Doherty to the academics that we love getting on the show, like Henry Marsh, the UK leading brain surgeon, and Irving Finkel, who is a ancient Babylonian cuneiform expert from the British Museum.
0: Okay, and if you're not going to Edinburgh, just come to London and have a drink with me because I'm going to be on my own. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye.